Just in and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. Whether you're a pistachio purist who loves the experience of cracking them open or you love the convenience of no-shell pistachios like myself, Wonderful Pistachios is the perfect healthy snack for when hunger strikes. And there are a bunch of tasty flavors to choose from too, like honey roasted, smoky barbecue, jalapeno lime, and more. Wonderful Pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. Visit wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more. Now, we haven't seen the show in a minute. Uh, are contracts being worked out or discussions being had? Are we, are we looking at a Joe Button breakup situation? No, we're not looking at a Joe Button situation. The thing that we all know is that this is bigger than just content. You know, normally when I travel, right, like when I was with the Denver Broncos and the fantasy football hit, I went to Vegas one time and Misha and I was walking through the Wynn Hotel. Someone's like, hey, Brandon, you're like, I think you're on a Fantasy football, I was like, what? People notice me? And then it was the big deal. Oh, great job. Like, highest paid receiver now, allegedly. That's another <laughs> story. Now, when I'm out, yo, that podcast, I Am Athlete, like, it touches me. Yeah. It saved me here. Did this. Me and my wife, now we watching it because now we learning from the couples edition, whatever. So all of us know that this is a cultural and a social phenomenon and it's, it's touching so many people. So we, we, we have to figure it out. We have to get on the same page and we gotta keep it going. We had to fight to get a meal, yeah. Wrongfully accused, we had to fight to get a pill. That's why we right to get a deal. He on the team, he gotta eat, you know, despite the skills. Keep it riding for the fam, you gotta like the wigging wheels straight up. I am Matthew Parlay is killing it this year. These are guaranteed wins. I'm gonna take Arizona over San Fran. Whoa. Daniel Jones over Patrick Mahomes at home? Talking about Ocho Cinco's the X. I'm the X. Freaking, you kidding me? Ocho versus science. Please. I'm the X. I'm gonna go back, play a little ball, and I'm gonna show everybody who's the X. Uh, bro, y'all want this parlay so bad. Every week, y'all in my face with a new camera and a new parlay. Here we go. We got the week 15 I Am Athlete Parlay. Hey, these are some easy ones. We got Carolina at Buffalo. You think Buffalo's gonna have another letdown? No, no, no. Ain't gonna be no thunderstorm, no 40 miles per hour gust of wind. It ain't happening. You got Atlanta at San Francisco. I like this 49ers team. Everybody thought it was over. No, 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 not so fast. New Orleans at Tampa. Tampa Tom! Tom Brady going to get it done. That's the week 15 I Am Athlete Parlay promo code athlete. Yeah! DraftKings.com is the sports book 
I Am Athlete is the platform. Parlay, I Am Athlete, all day. Promo code athlete, let's get it. Some people think that you could have multiple individuals who satisfy specific different needs. However, I'm of the opinion that your significant other needs to be your best friend. Mm. And that person should be the person that you want to confide in everything to. Right. And that person that you want to run home and tell your deepest, darkest secrets to. And that's when you know that it's right for me. Right. Every marriage goes through things. Right. Every, every relationship goes through things. And people grow and they change. But if that person is your best friend, you will endure all of that because it's worth it. Wow. That's real. I mean, I feel like that's where Misha and I are, where we're, we're at, right? I mean, she's doing amazing things. I'm doing amazing things. We're in startup mode. We have three children. You know, how do you build something amazing outside of the home and thrive there, but also thrive at home? Because yeah. that's first, and that's the most important thing. And there's this conversation that we always have about balance, but like, you know, work-life balance, what is that? You know, and there's just so many challenges on relationships and marriages where, you know, how do you bring it together? You're two different people living one life, but you're two different people. Two different people, a couple in the union, and then also a family. Right. And then for you, Amishi, also a business. Right. A lot of, there's a lot of things going in there. Oof. A lot of challenges too. And, and the crazy thing about our relationship is we're, we're almost like the same person, meaning like excellence. You know, it's how I was in football about like, I want to be the best wide receiver. She's like that with our family, right? And it's just like, boom, you know how locked in I was with football, mm -hmm. you know? And so it's like excellence excellence, excellence, and then also she's a leader, I'm a leader. You know, it took a long time for us to figure out like each other's personalities, love languages, and how do we bring this thing together? So if both of y'all are leaders, when do you follow? That's a great question. Appreciate that. We, we, we kind of defined this six years ago, five, six years ago. We're still in couple count, couples counseling. I'm macro, she's micro. So anything mi micro, I follow. Macro, she follows. So I'm thinking about five years from now, 10 years from now. She's thinking about every single day. I'm running a business at home, right? You know, she's thinking about that budgeting. I'm thinking about generational wealth. You know, perfect example, <clears throat> we uh, partnered with NASCAR on another show and uh, we were at Daytona 500, but I'm there for business and I'm, and, and I'm I'm capturing the content, I'm doing what we need to do because this is for the announcement of it, right? But this is a big moment, but I'm not taking it all in, I'm not mindful. And so I'm there and we just had this one little mom, I was like, babe, come on, we gotta go, we gotta go, we gotta go over here. And she's, she's like taking pictures and she's like soaking it all in. And that was tough for us. Like we had a tough night during an amazing moment. So fall, the next week, we're talking to Gail, our, our, our counselor, and uh, we dive into it. And like the, 
the outcome was this. It was like, you know what? I don't do a great job of celebrating those small wins and being present because I'm always thinking big five years from now. So like the takeaway there was like in moments like that, you know, one, you know, how we communicate during those times because we're two different people. And then two, um, you know, her reminding me like, babe, you just did a deal with NASCAR. I know, like, take this in. Celebrate the moment. Celebrate the moment. Yeah. You know, the first person who taught me the word mindfulness was you. Now that you, it's been 2009 when you came out, revealed to the world that you had borderline personality disorder. At that point, you were the first professional athlete during their career who came out to the world and acknowledged that, hey, I'm struggling with something. Right. This is what it's called. I've been doing therapy for it, and hopefully it makes me a better person. When you, when you did that, obviously the moment was scary. Did the end result produce the outcome that you had hoped? One, it wasn't scary. I just felt like it was my purpose. I was at McLean Hospital, and... Um, I didn't know what was happening, right? Like you were covering the Miami Dolphins back then. And so you were able to like follow this journey from then to now. And so like, I didn't know what was happening. So, but I was so blown away by my three months there, like who I morphed into, who I transformed into. And there was this key moment on campus where like there's this, uh, uh, like this profound like therapy called dialectical behavior therapy that it's, it helps a lot of people, not just people who are, living with something, but it helps people who just deal with stress. It gives you the skills and tools to be able to self-regulate and cope and manage. And so I'm in there and it's like, wow, like, I never knew this stuff. I, I you know, never connected with emotions. I don't even know what that is. I don't even know how to communicate. And then there was this New York Times piece that came out and it was like, it said, the creator of dialectical behavior therapy, Marshall Linehan, also lives with borderline personality disorder. I was hurt. People were celebrating, looking at it, like, oh, Marsha Linehan. But this was back in the day where if you went to a, a mental institute, you were in a straitjacket. So, like, Marsha went through it. This is my buddy now, you know? Do a lot of work together in the community. But I was like, that don't make sense to me. Because when I, when I first stepped foot on McLean Hospital, which is affiliate of Harvard University, you know, I went through a clinical evaluation, I went through a neurological evaluation, clinical evaluation to see, okay, what are you dealing with? That was the first time like that happened. Like in the NFL, the first four years, like I was getting in trouble, all things was happening. I was talking to somebody, but somebody was saying like, hey, count to 10. I'm like, hey, Mr. McBride, I counted to 10, but I'm still pissed off. This ain't working. But they finally sent me here to Dr. Gunderson. We did this clinical evaluation. They said, hey, this is emotional disorder. That's pretty much what borderline personality disorder, but it presents itself in like over 260 different ways. Different ways. And so first week there, Mishi was with me and uh, they invited us to these workshops. The first five hours of the six, the six hour day was all clinicians. And I was sitting there, I was taking notes like, oh, this is okay, I'm learning. The, the last hour was a panel of patients. And that's when I leaned in. And I was like, oh, other people are living with this. 
that's me. So there was, it was interesting because, you know, this panel was made up of people on both ends of the spectrum. You had somebody who was there, you know, 10 years ago and was out the program, like a graduate of the program, and they live in a healthy, effective life for like six years. You had somebody who was there on campus for two weeks telling their story and their experience so far. Six months, three years. So I saw this the entire spectrum. So I was able to see somebody who was still struggling and I was able to see somebody that actually made it through. And I was like, oh man, I didn't know I was suffering. I felt like this was real. Like me leaving the Miami Dolphins practice, 100 degree weather, having a hoodie on my head, bending down like I'm five, six, so nobody recognized me because I was like social anxiety. Like I, I didn't want people to talk to me. Sitting in my living room, not smiling, not being able to tell my wife or my brothers and sisters I love them. Sitting in my theater room at a $4.5 million home. Like, oh, this is cool. I don't have to ever leave the house. Not talking, depressed, isolated. And so that when, they, when I heard their stories, I heard, you know, like, man, there's a chance. And so I felt inspired then to do the work so I can then, like, use that platform to, like, talk about it. So when Marsha Linehan came out, came out, I was like, damn, 50 years later, Marsha? I love you, Marsha, but damn. <laughs> 50 years later, like, you know what that does, patient to patient? Forget the clinicians, but when a patient say, like, this is what I'm living with, this is what, I'm deal- this is what I deal with, that's, that, it empowers people, it inspires people. You know how many times somebody came up to me or my wife and said, well, Put, go back, Seattle. This actually, we came together with Marshall Linehan, and we did this, uh, this, um, 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 you know, mental health first aid teaching in Seattle before I even played for the Hawks. School system. So Mishi went in with Marsh, Marshall Linehan, and they taught like the school, like the the district. And uh, it's like, okay, can you can you identify, you know, the difference between. Do you know, do you, can you identify the signs and symptoms of anxiety and a heart attack? The symptoms are the same. What do you do if you can? Nobody knew. What if your kid comes home and says that I'm suicidal? What do you do? Nobody knew. So then they taught. A week later, a teacher reached out to us and said, hey, like, I went in, because like, asked, like, you got to talk about, like, hey, is everybody okay? Is anybody thinking about contemplating suicide? He just asked that question. Everybody left the class. After the hour, kid came up to the teacher and said, me. And then now this whole training is like, okay, well, how? Teach what to, what to do next. He opened up his book bag, and there was a backpack filled with pills. He was going to do it that day. And so now that kid, that family is still here to this day living a healthy, effective life. And so I say that because like there's so many people that walk up to us and there's other people, Kevin Loves of the World, DeMar DeRozan's now Naomi Osaka, Simone Bowles of the World that are, you know, um, using their platforms. And I'm sure they're getting the same thing. We're like, yo, you saved my life. You saved my life. You saved my life. That's real. And so that's why I was like, oh, I got to do this. How, how much do you think that that changed the conversation about mental health within athletics? Because most athletes, they go through something. It, you know, I deal with athletes all the time, and not everybody can handle, handle criticism well. Right. Yeah, I mean, 
you played like it wasn't bothering you, but it was bothering you. How much do you think athletes having those open and honest conversations, not necessarily with the team, but with clinicians and therapists, one another, has changed athletics? And you see Naomi Osaka, you know, say, hey, I need a timeout from this. Calvin Ridley. Yeah. Bubba Watson. It doesn't matter whether or not you're unhappy because of your contract situation. You're unhappy. Right. And it does impact your life and your daily performance. So, so here's the deal. Two, 2011, you know, when I uh, left McLean Hospital, I had to say, tell the world something. So I wrote this letter to the NFL. I don't know what I was doing. I needed, I didn't even have a PR person back then, a publicist. And so like, I was writing up my own like statement. I'm like, you know, I just wrote this whole thing. And I basically was like, look, I'm not coming back to play football until I fix this. And uh, so I came home and nobody knew where I was. And um, I was like, look, I just spent the last three months at McLean Hospital. I was diagnosed with borderline personality disorder and I went into the story. So I'm not asking for, I'm not trying to use this for people like to forgive me or do this or whatever, but what I experienced, I need to share. We need to take this from a taboo topic to an everyday conversation. So moving forward, I'm gonna walk the halls of Congress because we need to change. It cost me 30 something thousand dollars a month to get the help I needed. People can't afford that. I just signed a four year, $47 million deal. I can afford that. There aren't even a lot of hospitals out there that have the infrastructure to deal with some of these cases. And so I went on about like what we need to do. From that moment, I used to say the same thing over and over again. My message was the same, whether I was you know, testifying in front of Congress, how do we allocate 500 million to push to our communities you know, in our school system? Like we have the funding there, but what are we doing? What are we doing wrong? For Forbes Health Summit, you know, the Global Health Summit with the Pope, the Vatican, like the message was always the same. Where we're at today is where the cancer community was 20, 25 years ago, right? So I'm thinking like it's gonna take 30, 40 years to get here. 2011, I said that, 2014, 15, I go out there, you know, Thursday night football plan in Soldier, at Soldier Field, playing for the Chicago Bears, uh, playing against the Giants, world's watching. I was like, I'm wearing, it was Mental Health Awareness Week. So I'm wearing lime green cleats, this is what I'm gonna do. So I'm sitting in my hotel room, you know, and then I get a knock on the door, do, 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 do. Open up, it's the NFL. Hey, if you wear those cleats, we're not gonna let you play. I was like, well, I guess I ain't playing tonight and y'all gonna have to talk to the fans about why I ain't playing. I'm wearing these cleats. So it went all the way up to like kickoff. I was like, I'm wearing these cleats. They looking at me like I'm crazy, Mr. McCaskey, the owners, everybody. <laughs> I'm wearing these cleats. There's gonna be, within an hour, I'm gonna hit, I'm gonna get, a uh, couple hundred million impressions. This is what it's about. It ain't about me no more. I know I'm a ball, but what, what am I? I'm just gonna score a touchdown, that's it? And celebrate? Oh, look at me. Your no, I wanna score a touchdown and push it to something. <laughs> What'd you Your say? celebrations were not good. I never celebrate. I hated celebrate. I, was, I, I, I know, you the were one so time awkward. I tried. Yeah. So anyways, Thursday night football, we play. It was amazing. I scored two touchdowns. We win the game. It's all over the place. And I also was like, I'm a match to find that the NFL hit me with. Fast forward, my, now, my cleats. Right. So, oh, so now we're celebrating, you know, 
mental health on the field, not getting fined. And uh, yeah, my cause, my cleat, back in 2015, 2016, when I actually got traded to the Jets, I put it on my calendar three times a year that I was gonna meet with Roger Cadell and Troy Vincent and just like push mental health, mental health. So one of the things that we talked about was like, how do we get to my cause, my cleats, right? So, you know, we were able to get that done. They made that move and now guys can use that platform, not get fined for it, to push to not just breast cancer awareness, but to the things that make, that means the most to them. And so when you, th when you their question was, you know, how do I feel like where we're at it's, and there's so much more to it from a business standpoint where I would pitch like under the armors, the under armors of the world. Cause I did a case study with on Livestrong, Lance Armstrong, Magic Johnson, Boomer Esiason, uh, Keanu Reeves, Michael, Michael J. Fox, like people who athletes and entertainers that did well with their platform, but pushed it to something special beyond them. And so two people stood out to me, Magic Johnson. I was like, why is this dude worth a half a billion dollars still on this ESPN tour, like he's losing money by talking about basketball and then live strong Lance Armstrong. I, I, I looked at the business of that and I'm like, they made Nike billions of dollars, a billion dollars off of that brand. They were able to rap share off of that product that they created. And now they were able to bring in 30, $40 million a year. Oakley, the same thing. So I'm like, well, if the cancer community is made up of 36 million Americans, that's a personally affected by cancer. Look how they came together and galvanized. Cause it was a lot of stigma around cancer too, but look what they did. And now look at the impact on nonprofit and for-profit. So now fast forward 320 million Americans, the mental health community for, you know, 320 million Americans, there's a hundred million that's personally affected. Think about what we can do in business. So like I would go to like teams and I'd be, or brands and I'd be like, don't give me money. Just build a product line for me, put this lime green thing on it, and, you know, Rev share with me. Give me 20%, right? Because Doug Oldman, the president of Livestrong, like, he was one of my mentors, like, telling me, like, how they built these things out. And um, so now we're there. And I thought I would never see this day where athletes was going to stand up and, you know, use their platform and talk about it. It's like the thing now, like, hey, this is what I live with. This is what I live with. And, um, you know, the business of it, you know, pe you know, people are now trying to take advantage of it. And, you know, my goal now is like just to continue to lead this conversation so, you know, we can make sure like the funding and the resources go to the... Justin and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. Life is a highway. 
and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. Organizations and the people that need it the most. Let me ask you this question. You had a successful NFL career you parlayed that while you were playing to do a broadcasting career, which was blew my mind and everybody's mind. You know it blew my mind. How do you now flip that into the business world? And what tools can you take from both of those careers that can help you in business? The first book I ever read was with Dolphins. And I got killed for this, this time where we had a bye week and I went to Turks and Caicos and people knew because I was taking pictures or put or something, whatever. It's like Brandon Marshall during his bye week. Is that Turks and Caicos? And you know, and they're 0 and 6. And I read my first book, Good to Great, by Jim Collins, amazing business imprint. So that was the first b- book that I read. I was like, oh, this is amazing. So since that moment, like I just start diving deep into reading and learning. And uh, I found myself with the Chicago Bears, like, damn, like. Why am I doing all, I don't understand this language. I don't know this. Like I'm in a $16 billion industry. At the time it was like 12 billion. $12 billion industry and we got, there's multi-million dollar athletes and I'm seeing organization and teamwork work here. I just need to focus on what I know and, and, and take this and, and apply it to business. So like I just stopped that and I just start like literally studying, you know, all the owners and taking notes on the head coaches and stuff. So I had like this whole notebook on you know, my general managers, coaches, I went back and like in retrospect, like, okay, what did Coach Shanahan do? What did Mr. B do in Denver? The Miami Dolphins, oh my goodness, is it better now? Oh, now I'm interviewing you. Yeah, I was like, ah, what can I learn from the Miami Dolphins and what's going on there? And then the Chicago Bears, the McCaskey, talking about, you were talking about royalty and football and like, what's, what can I learn here? You know, I took those things and just started applying and I called my agent. I said, hey, Kennard, you know, Every deal that we do now, I want to negotiate and I want, I want to be a part of the discussion. So like the first time I did is I we went out and practiced. It was OTAs and I had a suit hanging up in my, in, my, in my locker. And so we finished practice. I ran in there, put on my, took a shower, put on my suit. I called a meeting with the general manager and our salary cap guy. So this was uh, Phil Emery at the time and I forget our salary cap guy's number. He killed me because he was an awesome guy. And I, I said, hey, I want to meet. It's like, I outperformed my contract, you know? I'm crushing it, 1,500 yards, 12 touchdowns, you know, all pro, 118 catches, you know? It's like, this is, this is what I need. And then, but I also brought a, a box of Stogie's cigars. So when I came in the room, I was like, hey, here's what's happening. Like, we're gonna get a deal done. And uh, when we're done, we're gonna have these Stogie's, right, we're gonna celebrate. So I was like, like, I'm going to be in it. I need to get that experience of how to negotiate. I need to get that experience of like what deal making is. This is a $16 billion industry. I'm about to hopefully negotiate a $40, $50 million extension. 
Fast forward, they looked at me and said, Brendan, we love you, but get the hell out of my office. And then eventually there's a picture of my agent and uh, Phil Emery where we all got the stogies. But there, I, I did all of that because I wanted that experience. I just wanted the reps. That's all I wanted was the reps. Cause I'm like, I don't need to go continue. I, I, I read all of Jim Collins' uh, business imprints, but like, I was like, I don't need to continue to learn. I don't gotta go to Harvard and be MBA and this and that. Like, let me just study football. And, and practice it, obviously. Um, House of Athlete, I Am Athlete. What was your vision when you started? Everything was built off of that case study with Harvard when I said I spent three months there and then was part of executive surgery with Professor Anita Alberse, the BIMS program there. And so like everything I'm doing now was inspired by that moment. So she just took a group of her students and we, we built out this case study. And so like Magic Johnson, he stood out to me and I already told that story. And so what I thought I was gonna get into was media, have a platform, you know, the life cycle of an athlete, three, four years, you know, then you look at the life cycle of a product and a platform, whatever. I was like, all right, media, I can, I'm a transition in this, but I gotta start it now. And so I always felt like I was going to, I didn't know what I was gonna do in business, but I knew that I wanted to lead my nonprofit. So I was like, all right, I'm gonna do media and I'm gonna push all of the traffic to the nonprofit. So when I walk into, you know, a room, a seminar or something, like, hey, Brandon Marshall here, you know, we were, we're gonna raise $5 million, it's gonna go to this hospital, this community, this nonprofit, like it, it happens, right? And so like that was the only vision, that was the only goal. And, um, you know, then I started getting into tech a little bit. I went out to the Valley, had an amazing mentor there and we were looking for products that like that these like what was what's the next product that's going to help with the mind and you know telehealth et cetera et cetera and so like I thought I was going to do that and I made a couple investments there um, and and so you know I was trying to figure it out but I knew media and I knew nonprofit fast forward to 2018 Coach Sean Payton walks in the wide receiver room knock hey Brandon let me speak to you. he cuts me now shit's real. I'm like, I played 13 years. Now this case study that we implemented, mm -hmm. or that we did in 2014, let's see if this works. And so I laid in bed for four days because I was in awe, like, damn, I, I spent all these years like preparing for this moment, but now it's finally here and I'm hurt. And the only reason why I got up is because Misha and the kids was coming in from Seattle. I was with Seattle at the beginning part of the year, I got cut and then I got picked up by the Saints. I got the opportunity to go get them from, from, from the airport. So I had to get up. I didn't, I drank water, but I didn't eat anything for four days. I was like, wow, this is what they're talking about in the transition. So I came home and I ain't gonna, I can, I could be long winded, but basically I came home and I was like, I gotta, I, I'm not going to be the next athlete to go broke. And mm -hmm. I have this facility that really has been a pain point. Like I would go sign a deal and then go buy equipment. I'll go do another deal you know, $40,000, $50,000, and then go open up a facility in Northbrook or Naperville, Naperville, Illinois, trying to figure out, had no clue about business or what I was doing. And so it was, it got to a point where it's burned a hole in my pocket. I was like, I can't keep funding this. I got to figure this out first when I get home. And then I got to figure out, like, I got TV because I was on Showtime already making seven figures doing what I was doing there. So that was already set up. Now I had to figure out the nonprofit thing, but I had to 
fix this first because I was like, I'm not going to continue to invest. Like for like a year and a half, I was like, all right, what do we need? Another 30000 for the month? Here we go. Payroll, boom, 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 right? And so I was laying there, and that was the first time when I was laying on our turf where I realized that, you know, to really help people on the mental health side was through performance because it's too clinical. So I built this whole plan there. And when I took over, we were doing 12000 or $11,950 recurring monthly outside of pro revenue. This is just Jim Pop. And so I was like, all right, I gotta figure this out. Someone wanted to acquire fit speed at the time or potentially merge. And uh, one night I was just sitting there, I was like, I'm having these conversations with all these people, but I don't even know how much this thing is worth. So I just Googled, what's, how do I find the valuation of my gym business? And then like this online course popped up. And I took the, it was like $1,200, boom. And it showed you everything from A to Z, like, you know, how to build teams, site evaluation, you know, what type of CRMs. I didn't even know what a CRM was. So anyways, I took that course and I called them and said, hey, I need an executive coach. So a coach came in, I paid them extra. I was like, I need to expedite this. And I took out my 2014 business plan and I just implemented that. And I said, if I hit 70K recurring monthly, and if I see a, these are two metrics I was looking for, 70K recurring monthly, and then I wanted to see like the people who were working out together, going to my smoothie bar and drinking out, hanging out, because that's community, like they don't want to leave, they love this place. And if I see that, I'm going to continue to invest. Within three months, we jumped to 70K recurring. The community was there, I have this picture of like 20 people, I got this juice bar, I hired this girl from Dunkin' Donuts. I was like, hey, I need some smoothies, like figure this out for me. And then they did it, and then I, it was like 20 people around just having a smoothie, having a good time. I was like, shit, like this is something, right? This is what I've been envisioning. Community. And that's when I went all in on that. And then the pandemic hit. With, with from the pandemic, I Am Athlete was birthed. What, what, what's the backstory behind you guys launching that podcast? Just invested 50,000 in equipment to tell the story of House of Athlete, the purpose, the passion, the why is still the same. Had a creative team, like social media team on retainer. And I had this facility, which was a studio. And I was living in a neighborhood with like legends. The Rock shared a backyard with me. You had Reggie Wayne, Amari Stoudemire, Fred Taylor, Channing Crowder, Ocho Cinco down the road. Like all these people like in our neighborhood. And I was, we were just like, everybody's walking dogs and doing exercises and outside. And I was like, wow, like this might be an opportunity to sell a show. And so you're looking at ESPN, FS1, you had Shannon Sharp and, and, and Stephen A. Smith, you know, watching their shows at home on Zoom with these headphones on. I was like, this is terrible production. It's like, damn, this is our opportunity to break through because I got everything I need. Can we do it and stay safe? Because I can't use the facility we can't do anything with House of Athlete because it's like, hey, you know, got to be safe or whatnot. And so we was like, if we, so our Channing Crowder was over. I was like, yo, if I find a way to do this in a safe way, would you be interested in launching a podcast? I think I can sell the show. He said, yeah, absolutely. I was like, great. Like, you know Channing. It's like, he, he's going to say, he's like, he's authentic. He's real. And then there was, you know, Fred Taylor. So I jumped in my golf cart and I went a couple streets over. I'm like, yo, Fred, if I start this podcast, what do you do? He's like, He's like in his yard, like no shirt. Like everybody was doing workouts at the time. Like 
freaking freaky Fred, like some shirt off, sweating. He's like, yo, I got you. And then right across the street, Reggie Wayne. So I'm like, Reg, if I do this podcast, would you do it? Send me the inf-. Like, Reg is so slow. He's like, he really enjoying retirement. He's like, send me the information. I'm, I'm, I'll check it out. Right? So then we put it together. And then, like, Christina and the team, they had no clue what to do. It was just social media, Instagram. So we launched it. And then, so, like, that's what inspired it was, like, how do we create the show and sell it? And then it, I started having conversations with all these brands, and they were like, I started having all these conversations with brands, and it morphed into, like, oh, no, we got something special. Yeah, you do have something special. When did you realize that I Am Athlete became, like, a cultural voice for our culture? <laughs> So we had this one episode, and this is before like Ocho came on. We had this episode where we were like, yo, five, your, who's your, t- your, your top five artists? And then like a couple of people say Kanye West and Channing Crowder sat forward. And he was like, Kanye West? This man made a song about don't marry a gold digger, and he went and married a gold digger. <laughs> when I saw that, I was like, whoa, right? And then it just... That was the moment where I was like, oh, we've been leaning heavy on sports. We need to lean on culture. Culture. Yeah. So, like, after that show is when we start, like, really leaning, like, I, I called it 70-30. I was like, yo, 70% evergreen where everybody can relate, 30% sports. And so, like, it just morphed. Like, at the time, we were getting 84 people viewing, a couple thousand, you know, uh, views on YouTube. And in that moment is when it started really taking off. Now, the question for you, obviously you've been doing it for a couple of years and and all of these individuals have have been partaking and participating with the vision that they were, you were gonna sell the show and everybody was gonna eat. Did you grow too fast? I'm a disruptor. Is there ever too fast though? For some people. And that's, I learned a lot, right? Because like we did this exercise like Strength Finders 2.0 where you understand who, what the strengths of your, your team is. So for me, I'm an activator. Like, I got this, this note beside my bed that uh, somebody in the industry, like a CTO of a major company, you know, when I was asking him questions about this, and he wrote something, he said, if you want to disrupt, you got to be willing to go fast enough and be comfortable with breaking shit. And so, like, I'm comfortable like that. No, yes, you are. No plans, no nothing. I saw the opportunity, let's go. And so I'm like, we'll figure it out as we go. And so like when you say, you know, too fast, I think for some, for me, no. But the startup culture and when you understand like what that does, it's tough. It's extremely exhausting for everybody. And so like, you know, it presents a lot of challenges. So you have to have like the mental fortitude and you have to have like the perseverance, all those skills from football to actually just keep going and break through. Even, even when the struggles are there. That's right. When you see deals done like Patrick McAfee's deal, $30 million a year, Dan Levitard's deal um, for media entities, using sports as kind of a platform, but really talking cultural stuff. When you see those deals getting done with major corporations, what seed does it plant in you? Well, first, the show broke through I felt like this show was going to be an accelerating incubator of talent because people, when I first was trying to sell the show, I was like, oh, we love the show. We love the concept. We love you. But like, can we change? Can we put this running back on? And can we do this with Channing Crowder? It's like, no, like these are my guys. 
Absolutely not. Deal breaker. How much money? Doesn't matter. Deal breakers. And then so it was like, oh, this could be something where this show launched into Channing Crowder's fishing show. This launched into Reggie Wayne's cigars and cars show. Freaky Fred goes into, you know, finance, right? And so now we got a production company. Now we have a network. And so like, that's what happened. And then as I started to plan and I brought in somebody to help me build up my five-year roadmap and my business plan after we already got started, it's like, oh, The Ringer, 300 million? Joe Rogan, how much? 300 million? Dan Lebitard, Metalark, three for 50? Smartlist, one, they started a year ago, they did 80 million just on audio? So to me, it's like, yes, they set the market. So that's what I see. When Pat did that, like Pat, he's one of my guys. I, 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 you know, I, I reach out to him, Matt Barnes, Joe Budden, Noriega, you know, even the guys, you know, um, Gillian, you know, them, what they yeah, doing. Yeah. Oh, love it. Yo, like, what are y'all doing? How do we do this, right? And so I, it's like they're setting the bars. And it's like football to me, wide receiver market. You know, when I came out, before I did the Miami deal, Larry Fitzgerald, four for 40 million. Right. Okay. Well, I'm the hottest thing right now. Now I need to reset the market. I need to be paid the most. Give me four for 47, whatever. It doesn't just benefit you. It benefits everybody. Everybody. Yeah. So see Pat doing that. And now it's like, okay, he he reset the market. And now you look at Pat McAfee, who's a genius, said, I don't need FS1. I don't need ESPN. I can go do this, you know, myself. Those they, they serve a purpose. But like you can, you don't need the traditional networks anymore, and so now it's like, okay, let's study Pat McAfee. What is he doing? How's he repurposing content? He shoot one show, and now it's repurposed on ten different platforms in an hour, and audio, video, tour, boom, boom, boom. So now, if you have the template, the game plan, the blueprint, and your content sticky is good, follow the blueprint. So like, it's just like. It's inspirational. And, and, and the challenge is staying committed um, and making sure everybody else, everybody who has been there at the beginning remains with the team. Now, we haven't seen the show in a minute. Um, are contracts being worked out? Are discussions being had? Are we, are we looking at a Joe Button breakup situation? No, we're not looking at a Joe Button situation. I think all of us know the, the thing that we all know is that this is bigger than just content. People, when I, when I travel the country, to, you know, I've took an, taken a few trips outside the country, you know, since we've been able to fly. And, you know, normally when I travel, right, like when I was with the Denver Broncos and the fantasy football hit, I went to Vegas one time and Misha and I was walking through the Wynn Hotel. And someone's like, hey, Brandon, you're like, I think you're on a fantasy football. I was like, what? People notice me? And then it was the big deal. Oh, great job. Like, highest paid receiver now, allegedly. That's another <laughs> story. And then there was, oh, Pro Bowl. Like, you had these moments. Yeah. Right? And then there was the Showtime deal. And so, like, traveling around, oh, I love Phil Sims. I love Ray Lewis. Now, when I'm out, yo, that podcast, I Am Athlete, like, it touches me. Yeah. 
it saved me here, did this. Me and my wife, now we watching it because now we learning from the couple's edition, whatever. So all of us know that this is a cultural and a social phenomenon and it's, it's touching so many people. So we, we, we have to figure it out. We have to get on the same page and we got to keep it going. But like now, it's just like the business of it is, is so big that and it's so complex because when you think about like this show right now, you can take this show and you can monetize it in so many different ways. I got audio, I got video, and then other distribution. I got YouTube, maybe we do uh, a linear deal with the HBO, a Showtime, an Amazon, a Netflix, et cetera, et cetera, right? Then you got Snapchat, Instagram, you got TikTok. TikTok. Yeah. But making money though, there's so many different things to it. So like we are at the table figuring out like how does this all work together and it's been tough you know people love what you're doing with NASCAR um, there's an audience for it for our people but what's this whole NASCAR thing about man what, what, what when are we gonna get the guys back right right so I mean someone told me this before right well, first when I got married somebody said I remember like just got on Twitter somebody said oh this is gonna last six months it's a challenge talking to somebody that wanted to do a, a, it was a good deal, it was a big network, it was a okay deal. And it was like the challenge is, can you do it twice, okay. right? So at the end of the day, I Am Athlete Miami is a cultural, social phenomenon. Now I have NASCAR as another opportunity. Like I'm only gonna do things that I love and I'm passionate about, I am truly passionate about it but also gives me another opportunity to do it twice. And then that is going to turn it three, four, five times, and that, now we have our network. So um, there's stories to be told there. There's opportunities Absolutely. for the minority, you know? So um, it's big business. And so, like, I love it. There's a business opportunity. You know, there's stories to be told. I'm there. I, and I got to do a better job of, embracing and engaging our audience and, and like my vision moving forward is like mm. what I want to do is use our audience to incubate shows and talent say like hey guys what do you think about this idea what do you want that that's that's an important avenue a lot of people miss that avenue of social media right it's, it's about feeding your audience if they know where to but they made this yeah they made this a social cultural phenomenon so for me to say like hey guys I'm this is what I'm doing, I'm gonna do four shows. Now you guys vote and tell me if you wanna do I Am Athlete Houston. They gotta decide that and I gotta listen. I think if I do a better job of in, engaging the people who built this and as we introduce it, it'll work. Now the financial commitment for launching uh, I Am Athlete, that was on your shoulders. Um, how do you make sure that everybody's taken care of and you're not taking a loss. Yeah, I mean, this is interesting, right? Because, and these are things like, right? Like you have these conversations, you learn, you disagree. Money is an awkward conversation. And I know you've been having money awkward conversations your whole life. Right, and, and also you gotta understand, like I'm sitting with bosses, I'm sitting with alpha males, I'm sitting with legends, I'm sitting with dudes who, who multi-millionaires. Yeah. So like, you talking a little couple, like to get some of these athletes to come out and do something for an hour, we're talking about 
25, $30,000, $40,000, $50,000, $100,000. Oh, you want me to fly to Chicago to open up your sports book? Yeah, $80,000 one day. So now, like this is like, you got to come proper. You know, for me, I got to, you know, continue to lean into, you know, our chemistry and continuity can't be duplicated. And so that it's special what we have. And we all deserve a piece of that. And also, I think the, the best approach when, I, when you look at, you know, everybody else that's out there doing it is a rev share deal. You know, so like, you know, there's so many different ways you can do it. But at the end of the day, it, that's the tough part is because it's not, it, we didn't even get into it about that. But, you know, how do we keep this going? Like Breakfast Club and you're celebrating 14 years. And you're really moving the needle because to me, they are the standard from a culture standpoint. Absolutely. I truly believe I am athlete Miami and L.A. and what we're doing with, you know, I am, I am woman. athlete woman, woman. Like we are literally morphing into something that is a cultural phenomenon. It, it speaks a lot to the culture. Now, let me let me ask you this question. Well, let me ask you a question. What's up? Why does it speak to the culture? What do you like about it? What I've always liked about what you're doing. What we're doing. What we're doing. And the platform is a lot of times these athletes, they are so pre-programmed with the team is going to talk to me for 10 minutes and tell me the things I can and I cannot say. And they're going to ask you this question and this is what you need to say and answer this question. Like we don't, you know, give you an example, Ocho Cinco back in the day. I covered Ocho Cinco. Nobody's like Ocho Cinco anymore in the NFL. You know why? Because the league has purified it, watered it down, cleansed it to the point where athletes can't be themselves. They can't talk trash outside of the field. They can't talk trash in the media. They can't tell you, oh, I'm going to lock down this cornerback today or I'm going to do all right, this. Right, right, right. And, 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 and to piggyback that, they can't talk about their money situation or their push to, to get financial security. I remember Jarvis Landry when I was covering the Dolphins. He was paid like he was a three-time pro bowler and was paid like the 146th highest paid wide receiver. Was played his final contract the entire year and then got to December, had a fracture in his back, was still playing, not practicing, but still playing and had to go to the, the GM's office and beg him for a contract offer. Wow. Who, and, and has to do this in, you know, in secret. I find out after the fact, but people don't know what athletes go through. Wow. People don't tell the story like, you know, and, and, and I have conversations with athletes all the time. So, but I have, you know, I have the real conversation with them. This is what you should do. This is how you should play it. This is, you know, but with social media and with shows like I Am Athlete, you get a chance to be you. You get a chance to be real. You get a chance to show people who you truly are, not the filtered version of it. And I think that there's some, like a purity to it that it's unfiltered, it's uncut. And that's what people gravitate to. Cam Newton's interview, to me, classic. You've never seen anything like it like in any platform. You've been covering the U, the Dolphins for how many years? You, you've, you've never seen anything, 
anything on any level, Jim Rome, nothing. An athlete being interviewed by other former athletes that they respect, you can get a greater depth of an answer. You can get, because they understand, they relate. What, what, what you know, you know, <laughs> you know I, I, it still stands out to me. Cam Newton saying, I might not be top 10, but I'm not 32. <laughs> While he's not Cam Newton, he's not 32. <laughs> He shouldn't be out the league. And, and then having that, the conversation about why he's out the league. Right. You know, all the things that come with Cam Newton. Like, you know, why should there be things that come with Cam Newton? Unfortunately, you know, if you're a white quarterback, Mike Glennon, you could be in the league for 14 years. Wow. And wow. cashing checks. And maybe you win, maybe you don't. If you win you probably piggyback that to another two years. Wow, which is interesting because when you look at the backup quarterback position, it's really a, a phenomenal position, but how many black quarterbacks actually Make get an opportunity to say, okay, I'm going from the starter now, now I'm a backup, and I'm gonna be a backup for the next five, 10 years. Yeah. Wow. I, I you know, it, listen, back, as you know, backup quarterbacks, they, they, they will outpace some starters. In career earnings and right, salaries, right. and you know they just I know being good. Josh McCown, let me hold something. He was working at a high, at coaching high school football. Got the call, came out, boom, balled out six games. Chicago Bears leading the way. That parlayed into twelve million, ten million, twelve yeah. million, ten million. They had some good games. I love backups, Josh. and it, it, it's it's on and popping. But but let's you know, I am athlete woman. That has led to some very healthy conversation for me and my household. Really? Oh, yeah. Um, I think it's because you don't get an unfiltered perspective from a woman on issues that are going on in relationships and, and a peek into a woman's world. Let me ask you, what have you learned from watching that show, seeing Mishi take that platform? Have, what have you learned about your wife and what have you learned about yourself? Communication, you know, like just peeling back those layers of communication is like how men communicate is different than women. And so you have to understand that. And you, when, so when I sit down with Mishi now, you know, there's a time to be Mr. Fix It and there's also a time just to listen. Yeah. So like communication is key to everything. And so you know, that's the number one thing. The number one takeaway from I Am Woman is communication. Look how the women, like, I don't understand that. Like, like, we don't do that. And also, like, look at our show. Me and Ocho screaming, Ocho versus, what are you talking about? Ah! Channing Crowley, like, well, you come over here, I'm going to punch you in your face. <laughs> and at the end of the show, we smiling and we hugging. It's funny that you say the Mr. Fix It, because now I, I'm going to therapy as well. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, of course. Yeah, uh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> but listen. What I've learned in my relationship is sometimes my wife just wants me to hear her problem. Right. But as a man, I feel like, okay, this is your problem. This is my wife's problem. I need to fix it. But she doesn't want you to fix it. No. <laughs> Why? Make that make sense for me. Ooh. Explain. I can't. I can't. I saw this play out at McLean Hospital, self-assessment. Everybody just going around circle and talk. I was the only male in that group therapy. And uh, so basically you're like, oh, this is what happened in my day. This was going on. So 
all these women talking and I was like, I need to shut up and listen. And I was like kind of counting the times every time I wanted to jump in and, and fix it. And what I saw was the women like, oh my goodness, this is that. And I'm like, well, let's do this, let's say that. And then the, how the ladies responded, they validated. Okay. And they just validated and they validated. It's like, oh man, I'm so sorry you went through that. Oh, are you kidding me? And I was, I was like, what? This is terrible. But I sat back and I just like was able to take notes, you know, mental notes where it's like, oh, this is how women talk and this is what they expect. So I saw it play out in self-assessment where it was like talking, 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 and nobody was like, do this, do that. Validation. Validation. So it's communication and then you validate first, right? So, hey, I can understand why you're going through this. And then once you do that, then maybe if we got to solve something, then you get into, you know, compromise. But you have to validate. Okay. And a lot of times, men, we don't validate. I do not validate. Well, why'd you, you just did that? Why'd you say that? You gotta say, babe, I'm so sorry you're going through that. Like, are you kidding me? What? (laughs) (laughs) I'm gonna try that. Let me ask you this question, because I know you held off from having kids for forever. And that was just your mindset. When you, when you have a plan, you, that's how you operate. Are you the father that you thought you'd be when you finally said, okay, we're going to do this? No. Why? There's this book I read called One Thing. And then in this, there's this one, this one chapter where it talks about, like men, we're conquerors. Okay. And we're doers. We get, gotta keep going, and provide. Like we think we're we're the providers, right? And it's different for every relationship, whatnot. But and things are changing. But anyways, <clears throat> reading this book and everybody's trying work-life balance, whatever. It's one chapter. They highlight. Okay, your personal life is a glass ball. Your professional life is a rubber ball. You write. You cover. You're you're on a beat. You know what I mean. You're a producer, you tell stories, right? So like what happens with men a lot of times is this, is like, oh yeah, I'm gonna have time, we're gonna do date night, we're gonna do that, we're gonna get there. I'm, I'm, I gotta go do this first. And then with the kids, it's like, daddy's gonna be home, daddy's gonna do that. And then you look yeah. up, the kids are out of school. So what happens is like, you can drop the glass ball and eventually it scratch, you get a little scuff in it, and then it shatters, you can never put that back together. Divorce, kids are gone, and now you don't have that anymore. Your professional life, you can drop that, it's a rubber ball, it bounces back up. So what you do is you put your professional, your professional life on the back burner, you, you built your life around your personal, and then everything else fills in. Because I would think that the balls would be reversed, which is probably maybe what's wrong with me. Right. I would think that the professional life is a glass ball, but you're right, right. it does bounce back, whereas the personal life doesn't necessarily. So how could you be a better father? Misha and I were putting up the Christmas lights the other day and uh, you know, I was like, hey babe, uh, 2022's coming up. Every quarter, let's go out to countries, take an amazing trip. Because what I want to do is, I was like, every quarter, and she's looking like, oh really, now's the time? You, you, you gonna stick to it? Every quarter, we're gonna take an amazing trip. Every month, we're gonna do a staycation. And then date night weekly. So now I, I'm communicating with Mishi, we're shaping this out. So the first three months we're snowboarding, 
right? And then second quarter is her birthday. Now we're going to Mexico, Cinco de Mayo's, you know, May 5th. So boom, I'm putting that in. And now anything I am athlete, anything I am NASCAR, anything I am at the LA, anything I am at the Houston, anything our daily show, anything our girls going vet show, anything house of athlete, combine, pro athletes, gym pop, got to fill in those. But then it's time blocked in this window. Like okay. this is. This is, this is sacred family time. Can't touch that. Okay. That's a good strategy. Mm-hmm. The one thing. The, That's the, the book. The one thing. Yeah. We so got to hold each other accountable. The whole book is about what? Prioritizing. Just finding that one thing. A lot of times we spread ourselves thin. It's like, what's that one thing? Go deep there. And then it talks about balance and scheduling and how you get there. You, you've always been so career driven. Look at this. Look at this. Did you, did you need this? But you wanted to do this. And it's always adding more to your plate. What, what's the inspiration? Like, what is it that drives you? Oof. Well, I just think I'm a competitor. Okay, that's true. Uh-huh. Business is sport. I just want to compete. I like, I like just competing. I want to create something. So, like, the flesh is I want to compete. I want to create. Okay. Right? And so to be able to take something from nothing, a blank canvas, and paint something, and be the next trailblazing company, innovative company, the next, next network, the next Pat McAfee, the next uninterrupted, the next Bleach Report Players Tribune. Like, man, that drives me. That, 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 like, I, I love that. I actually love this more than football. Really? Like, just that challenge. I love it, man, because I can control it all. Meaning more so like there's... You're the quarterback. Yes. I'm the quarterback, the head coach, and the general manager, and the owner. If it fails, it's on me. Like now, but it's, you need people. Yeah. How do you build out your teams? How do you build out... So people, product, then processes. Haven't gotten all these right, but that's the order. People, process, people, process, then product. Right? So like if you can find a way to, per, to get this right, then you can break through. Now, you, you've done well in the business world. You've done well in the post-career world. I always look at you as a standard for the majority of the athletes I cover because let's be real about it. A lot of athletes, 10 years after their career is over, broke, divorced, unhappy. Like, how do you, what advice do you give that athlete whose career just came to an end they weren't expecting it. They probably thought they could play another year or two. And they're saying, what now? Your identity shouldn't be wrapped up in the sport. You weren't, God didn't create you just to catch a ball, kick a ball, shoot a ball, hit a tennis ball, like whatever. It's a platform. And do be responsible with it. Focus, lock in. It's amazing. So whether it's year four, year five, where you're established and you are mature enough, internships, um, shadowing, reading, continue education, understanding who you are, what, what else inspires you, what do you want to do, per, what's your purpose in life, then build a plan around that. Use the platform to push to your purpose. That's what I tell athletes is like, be responsible with the platform, but understand that the platform is in everything. 
And what's next for I Am Athlete platform? Network, right? So number one is like, you know, we, we, gonna, we gonna keep rocking and keep it going, right? So that's number one. I Am Athlete LA, we started that. I Am Athlete Houston, we got I Am Athlete Nashville, got I Am Athlete, the goal is over the next three to five years, bring to, bring to life 10 to 15 brands. I Am Athlete, House of Athletes is a safe place for athletes. It's owned and operated by athletes and we're gonna tell our stories, whether it's in food, it's in fashion, it's in fitness, it's in finance, right? Whatever, we can do that. Cut the cord. We had to fight to get a meal, yeah. Wrongfully accused, we had to fight to get a pill. That's why we right to get a deal. He on the team, he gotta eat, you know. Despite, despite your skills, fat. Keep it riding for the fam, you gotta like the wooden wheels straight up. But in the past, bad. Work up in the trash bag. I'll pass a lot to take the test before I pass class, yeah. And my family needed bread, I had to come correct. That's why I keep airing it out like I just passed gas. Justin and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.